everyone. Welcome to Pigskin Pandemic featuring Kevin, Matt, and Ben. Just three of your everyday guys just giving their opinions on all the latest and upcoming NFL news. Things may get a little steamy or a little wild, but hey, it'll always be unscripted and real. Let's listen in and see what they have to say this week. Let's do it. Welcome to the Pigskin Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, and I have with me Ben and Matt, and we are going over week number two in the NFL. Fellas, this week has been nothing but injuries, injuries, injuries. Um, You know, we got, man, I think think Sunday was the infirmary games. Um, (laughs) This weekend was the NFL being a, a cruel mistress of injuries to many, many teams. I feel like, you know, with no preseason, um, no real training camp, no real extended hitting, um, these injuries uh, presented itself because of that. I mean, you're not really – you don't have that – You don't. I guess the preseason is more of the, you know, get my reps in, let me get my feet, let me get my footing, let me just start hitting somebody else – but they went from no preseason to let's hit somebody else at full speed. And, I mean, some of it was, you know, because of the turf, they say, especially in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of it is just, it's just, you know, the beginning of the seasons, I guess, for the past couple of years, um, for a while now, it's just been, you know, these ACL tears and these knee injuries from not hitting in practice and not, you know, doing these two a days, and and I think that's that's a, that contributes to that. I mean, the think, only right? part I'll, I'll disagree yeah. with with that is that I I think that you know I'm glad it didn't happen in week one because this would have been all everyone was talking about. I think if you actually look at the injuries, most of them, at least you know, most of the high profile ones were non-contact injuries, were kind of freak injuries. So really have nothing to do with conditioning or, or quote-unquote toughness or any of those kind of things. They were just freak injuries. Um, well, and, I, you know, whether it was field-related or not, that's a possibility, you know, putting that aside. Um, but I don't really think that, like, most of the injuries you saw were a relationship of, oh, these guys aren't used to hitting or, oh, these guys aren't used to running or those type of things. You have seen some yeah. of those soft tissue injuries in that way, but that's the same. Like, if you, if you compare this year – versus, you know, the last five years, it's not that different. So I don't really think that not having the the preseason really made much of a difference, um, even though I think that's going to be the narrative that gets thrown out there by the owners to try and get it back. Yeah, because, you know, they want that money, right? Sure. So the owners want to say, well, see, see what no preseason does, and you guys want no preseason, and this is what happens, especially in San Francisco where Bosa and Solomon – two of the key guys on yep. your front four are done. They're done. And Bosa has been dealing with injuries all the way through, all the way since college. So you say, okay, you know, is, is, is he the most significant? Now I'm going to go down this list and I'm going to list the guys that are just out for the year or out for a substantial amount of time. So you have Barkley, who's out for the year. He tore his ACL. Bosa Sorry tore his ACL. Solomon tore his ACL. Cortland Sutton, I believe, tore his ACL. Um, Christian McCaffrey is out four to six weeks. Malik Hooker is out for the year. Anthony Barr is out for the year. Bruce Irvin is out for the year. 
Marquise Blair is out for the year. Tavon Young with the Ravens is out for the year. My question is, with this list, who whose injury hurts their team the most? Well, I think the collective injuries to the 49ers hurt them the most. Um, when you look at the, the full scope of one, them being a definite contending team, to the, the positions they lost and the quality of players they lost, I think that collectively that is. I, I think you could have survived any one of those injuries and it would be significant, but the fact that you had so many of them happen all at the, you know, within 24 hours of each other kind of thing um, is, is just, you know, not, not something that that team's – I'm going to be very curious to see what that team becomes because that defense is going to look very different. Who knows what the Garoppolo situation is? Who knows what the running back situation is? You know, he always finds a way to make any running back work in that system. Um, but, you know, that's going to be tested because yeah. he lost – he lost, you know, Brita to the Dolphins, you know, this offseason. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so, you know, Mostert was kind of the bell cow there, which is not the usual MO for that team. So it'll be curious to see what they come up with to, to kind of rig it, which, you know, is is in Shanahan's wheelhouse. But that that's the team I think that's the most heavily impacted. Obviously, Saquon Barkley is the, the biggest name and the biggest star and, and the most important player to his team. And I'll, I'll let Matt, you know, discuss that more in detail. But at the same time, I don't think we were penciling in the Giants for a major playoff or Super Bowl run this year. No, but I wouldn't even say it was Saquon. I would say hands down it's Christian McCaffrey. Um, there's just no way that that offense continues to be able to produce without having that sort of threat in that backfield. You know, you have to remember. It's um, true. It doesn't matter how you feel about how Cam was or whatever. He's still a threat to move. He's still a threat to get things done with his legs. <clears throat> Um, they, they still sort of have that threat, but at the same time, I don't know that I think Teddy Bridgewater is, uh, you know, comparable, um, not having, no, I agree with that. Has that one been confirmed that he's out for the year? Yeah, He's not out for the year, but he's out, uh, he's out for a significant amount of time. I think four weeks or six weeks. Um, but I think that that's, it might as well be the season, right? Like what happens, what happens when you lose the, the, uh, you know, you're on, on the helicopter, the, the. There's like a literal literal piece between the blade and the the cabin of the chopper that they refer to as the Jesus nut. And if you lose the Jesus nut, the helicopter goes down. And essentially, Christian McCaffrey is the Jesus nut of that Carolina Panthers offense. There's just there's no replacing that. And I think the offense is going to suffer even more than it has. And they've been stagnant. So I think I think truly, right now it's the worst time too because they're already what zero and two Carolina or one and one. I don't recall actually, but something uh, like that. But, right, yeah, that's, they, that's, that's, it's a, definitely. It's a bad time hurt. to lose yeah. to lose your your star player. I feel like Christian McCaffrey is the worst, only because that's pretty much their go to guy. Yes, um, if he opens up everybody else, mm-hmm. so when the defense is more concerned with Christian McCaffrey and what he's doing, where he is on the field. If I'm a defensive coordinator and I'm my next com, uh, next opponent is Carolina, and I don't have to worry about Christian McCaffrey, I'm good because I know that he's the he is <clears throat> the cog that makes that engine run. And, he's and they are zero and two, by the way. I just checked it. They are zero and two. They're zero yeah. and two. Zero and two. Okay, so yeah, it's the worst time possible to lose him. 
Yeah. And for the next four to six weeks, if they had winnable, if they look at their schedule, because I know everybody does, and they say these are winnable games, they're winnable games with Christian McCaffrey in their lineup based on, let's say, the team that they're facing has a sorry run defense or their teams have slow linebackers that cannot, you know, cover him in open field or this is a poor tackling team. Well, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter now because of the fact that, yeah, you may have a back that you can go to in replacement, but there's no fully replacing a Christian McCaffrey. I get what the 49ers have in terms of their many, many injuries. Mm-hmm. But the one thing about a Shanahan offense is that is a plug-and-play offense to the fullest. You've seen many of backs, many of receivers come into a Shanahan offense, whether it was his daddy or himself, and come in and produce and can't produce anywhere else. It's just a team-friendly offense. And it doesn't, it, it's an offense that is very simple to where you don't really have to think that one cut for the running back, that one cut hit the hole and just go offense is just huge. Because if you look at the running backs that Mike Shanahan, Shanahan had and they go other places, they don't produce the same way. <clears throat> and Kyle's the same way. That's why you see these guys flocking to wanting to play with 49ers because of that offense. So, yes, uh, the, the, yeah. the 49ers, their injuries are huge. But I think that, you know, even if, even if the 49ers were at 100%, the way the Seahawks are playing, I don't see them dethroning the Seahawks at this point because of the way Russell Wilson is playing. I'm sorry. Um, so it just shoots them down a lot further because Arizona is so much better now. They're 2-0. and The Rams are kind of getting their footing. They're 2-0. and Yeah. So I, I, I agree see... with that. I mean, and, and to, to that same end, <laughs> I agree with you about the, the offense being plug-and-play. I don't know that the Shanahan defense, I think, is quite the same. Um, and, and that's losing a lot of talent and, and what that defense is built around um, in those two players. Um, and then in that side on the offense being plug and play, you're talking about replacing the quarterback, potentially the tight end, because he's probably out this week as well, um, and the running back. You know, that's, and they already were banged up at wide receiver. So that is a lot of plug and play. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's going to be too much. It'll be it'll be very interesting to see what they can do because I think the division's harder. And then to that at same end with the Carolina Panthers, as much as Christian McCaffrey, which, by the way, Matt, best analogy ever, forever in my brain, Christian McCaffrey will be now Jesus nut. Yeah. Uh, so so I, I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but that's just how it's going to work. Uh, yeah. That I don't think that same thing as what we're saying about the Giants. I don't think anyone's penciling in Carolina for the playoffs or a major Super Bowl run, you know, it's, it's a rookie head coach's first year. They, you know, I, personally, I never bought into the whole Teddy Bridgewater factor. I thought he was a, just a guy who was propped up by a, a Sean Payton offense. Um, you know, those kind of things. So without Christian McCaffrey, yeah, they're, they're a pretty terrible team. Um, but they were, I, I was going to be surprised that they were pushing for a playoff spot with, New Orleans and whatever Tampa Bay may or may not be there, um, you know, making noise, you know, so that, you know, I, I think San Francisco has the most to lose and it's going to be the hardest to overcome. 
They may go worst. To, they may go first to worst. The Niners. In the, yep, they may go. Yeah. They may go from first to worst in their division. <clears throat> I, I when I looked at Arizona, I saw a team that kind of. I think they're more comfortable in that system. Kyler Murray looks really, really, really good. And and it's not I don't care who you play. I don't care if it's the trashiest team in the NFL. It's still an NFL team. No. And last I mean, he, year when he Kyler played, Murray looks like he is taking the next step. He is he is ascending to that next elite level. Uh you know, he looks to be absolutely more than the real deal. The Hopkins trade looks like it's the most, you know, brilliant trade in, you know, five years. It does. And Houston is struggling. Houston is struggling yeah. to find that guy, that, that Hopkins, that, I mean, yeah. they, they do throw to Brandon uh, Cooks, but it's not the same as, I mean, Nuke had 14 catches in for a buck 50 in their first game. Yeah. That lets you know that even though, you know, I mean, yes, they do have Larry Fitzgerald, but nobody's doubling Larry Fitzgerald anymore. So, I mean, just, just that lets me know that Arizona's on the rise. It's just yep. two games, but they're on the rise. And, of course, Seattle's always going to be there as long as they have Wilson at the helm. And, mm-hmm. you know, and they look good. Into... They're, they're playing well, and they're playing well in spite of the fact that they're not necessarily at full complement. Um, you know, when you consider, you know, the potential to go get, you know, Antonio Brown or any of those kind of things. Right. Um, and, 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 and they're, you know, they're still kind of like a lot of teams, they're still kind of finding their way, you know, in the beginning of the year, but they look beyond the, the team to beat in that division. So speaking of which, speaking of the, uh, how these teams are playing, we're going to get into the games from Sunday. All right. We got four. We have uh, four teams here. Um, we have the Dolphins, the Giants. Well, actually, we have five because we're going to do the. We're going to talk about the Monday night game as well. Um, let's talk. Let's talk about. Let's talk about the Dolphins for a second. <clears throat> not not ben, too much more what, needed to be talked about than, than a second. You, <laughs> but but what did you see different from week one to week two? What, what anything different than you that you saw? Because I didn't see the Dolphins game, so I can't say what was different. I only can look at numbers. But if yeah, you I actually mean, watch the game, the the difference was on defense. Not much. They they played about as poorly. Um, that's the big surprise this year is that this defense is not coming together. Um, you know, which is out of character for Flores, and you know what you kind of expect. But at the same time, it's a weird year, and who knows, you know, how that's all going to happen. Um, so, you know, still ever, you know, faithful to uh, to see what he can do. Um, on offense, they looked a- about the same um, as far as, you know, moving the ball well, being, you know, good in spots, bad in spots. Um, the major difference was it does seem to be that it was the fact that the Patriots have no pass rush. Um, that made the Dolphins' pass protection look fairly good. Um, not that they looked terrible. They, I mean, they didn't look anywhere near as bad as they looked last year, so there's definitely, you know, marked improvement, um, which is what you want to see as a Dolphins fan. Um, but, you know, they, they don't look like a team that's ready to really make noise. They look like a team that, if they get a spark, i.e. Tua, could they all of a sudden, you know, galvanize and, and become a team that, you know, makes some noise? Yeah, but right now they're just not there. And it's not on Fitzpatrick either. It's not that he's playing poorly. You know, he, he played a perfectly fine game 
Um, nothing outstanding, nothing terrible, which is you know basically what you want out of him right now. Okay. Um, the the biggest surprise on offense is you went out and signed or traded for Brita, and you went out and signed Jordan Howard. These are two starting caliber running backs. These are two quality running backs that have you know started in this league and have played significantly in this league and have made significant plays in this league. Um, and you're using Miles Gaskin, who you know he's outplaying those guys as far as what you see on the field. Um, there was a good statistic in the local paper that Miles Gaskin actually is a top five running back this year for yards after contact, better wow. than all the big names that you can think of in the league. Um, you know, now it's early, it's only two weeks. So, you know, who knows how much that stays, but I can tell you on the eyeball test, he's, he's passing. I mean, he's, he's running hard and he's, looking to be a legitimate starter. It's just you wonder if they can find a way in a New England style to rotate all these guys and get them all the ball and, and use a different, um, you know, scheme every week. Um, or is it just going to be that these guys are kind of going to fall behind and, and they're just going to ride Gaskin until they feel like, you know, he's the starter now. Um, that's the surprise. Uh, but there isn't a whole lot else. Buffalo looks good. I'll be the first one to say I had pegged them wrong. Um, Josh Allen has made steps. This is the first game that I can honestly say that I feel like watching him, he made plays that made me say he is more than just a guy and he's more than a potential liability as just a guy. Um, he made plays that made it look like, yeah, he's a franchise quarterback. Now, consistency is the problem with Josh Allen. So let's see it keep up for five, six, eight weeks. Um, but right now, uh, Stefan Diggs looks like a great move. And uh, Buffalo looks to be, for real, the, the number one contender in that division, I would say. Um, sorry to the Patriots, but, uh, you know, they're, they're going to be there. But I think that ultimately, if you put a gun to my head right now and say, pick who's going to win the division, right now I'd say Buffalo. But see, here's my thing. My thing is, is that, of course, we're going to go backwards a little bit. And, of course, your coach come from, comes from the Patriots. And usually the Patriots – don't hit their stride to the quarter pole. It usually takes them about four good weeks for them to kind of get their footing and understand how the defense is rolling, which leads me to say that if Buffalo and Miami play again, the defense may look a lot different than they did week two. And then you go back and look at your mistakes and everything like that. And I think that it's just learning that new system. There's a whole lot of new players on that team and they really have to conform to, you know, your coach's system. I don't know how complicated the system is. I'm not sure if he took some of the things from New England or he just scrapped it and said, I'm just going to do my own thing. But at the end of the day, I think that it's just a bunch of new players getting to know a system. And probably by week six, seven, eight, if there's a season, you'll see the Dolphins a little bit different than regardless of who is at quarterback position. Right. So, yeah, I, I think that I told you that Stefan Diggs was going to be a difference for Josh Allen. The thing is, is that when you come up to when the bills play a defense that can stop Stefan Diggs or can roll coverage his way, can anybody else step up and, and really do something because when I looked at the, well, they, they have a nice they have a nice three wide receiver set. You know they have they have a solid you know probably top five or eight 
slot receiver in, in um, Cole. Um, and they have a really good complimentary number two in Brown. But they um, didn't, but the one thing that they didn't do, what the one thing that he hasn't faced yet is a team that can put pressure on him play after play after play after play. Oh, yeah. Miami definitely doesn't have the pass rush, and <clears throat> the Jets, you know, I mean, I don't yeah, know, the Jets go up on the field. Um, <laughs> the Jets collect the check. Yeah. That's what they do. That They just collect the check. And I feel like you'll see how good Josh Allen is once he gets that pass rush in his face or those hands around his ankles and he starts getting happy feet. It's good now because he's got Dolphins that are the young, fresh team, and he had the Jets. Two games that they were supposed to win because they're supposed to win the division. Right. So when it comes down to... Okay, right. And we don't, so we don't see Buffalo again until week 17. So. so by then, I think that you'll see a different Dolphins team, even though they may not be, let's say, you know, uh, in contention for first place or a playoff spot. Oh, no, totally they may, they may not, but you'll see a different team and they play them a lot different. And if it comes down to the wire, mm-hmm. you know, how good is this offense, the Buffalo Bills, against that, that defense? Is, I'm telling you, that defense is going to be scrappy. It's going to be flying all over the place. How good are they going to be when he's starting to now trust that defense to dial up those, those, those cover zero blitzes? Because that's why he got those, uh, those corners and those safeties. So they totally agree. do those, those, those zero blitzes. And just send the house. Yeah. What is he going to do? Totally so agree. It's, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. And and we um, lost. And you know the game plan got you know shot to hell. We lost um, uh, Byron Jones um, at the beginning of the game. It was I think like the third play of the game. Um, he's yeah. got a groin injury. It's, they're they're not saying how serious or not, but we've got a Thursday night game, so he's not playing in the Thursday night game almost definitely. Um, so, you know, um, but they haven't put him on IR yet. So you got to believe that means they don't think it's more than a two to three week injury. So, you know, but in the Buffalo game, it definitely, you know, made a huge difference. They had the rookie Igbenogany, which uh, is a fun name to say. Um, they had him, uh, repeat it. (laughs) They had him covering, uh, Stefan Diggs, uh, a lot of the game because he's the slot. Um, so they had him kind of one-on-one with him a lot and Stefan Diggs is a, better player than a rookie nickel corner yeah. who yeah you know has yeah. never got any training camp yeah. or preseason yeah so now we go to the giants oh man the giants who it, it looked it looked it's, this is week two this is week two where it looked like they could make some noise they could do something win a game and at the end eh. so well, especially in a Matt, soft division yeah <laughs> that is, I mean, yeah. marshmallow division. So, Matt, number two, two questions. First, with Barkley out, can the Giants win games? And two, what can the Giants do to turn around this zero and two start? All right. Well, I mean, in all fairness, I don't think uh, that Saquon really. And no offense to Saquon, he's one of my favorite players, but I don't know that I think he was the difference maker on that field. Anyhow, um, the run in itself was just an, it's a non-starter for them. Um, so far two games in, I don't know if the line isn't getting enough of a sustained push or what the story really is, but it seems like uh, a lot of teams got together and watched some very 
very revealing tape on either Saquon or our line, and they've just got it figured out already. Um, I don't think that uh, Deion Lewis, Devonta Freeman, or Wayne Gallman are going to be the piece that they need to uh, to win. I think it'll help keep them, and I use this term loosely, competitive in the sense that Freeman offers them that option out in the flat. Uh, he's a great back on passing downs. And then you could still use Gallman or Deion Lewis, depending upon the package for your other, uh, you know, your other downs. Um, as for, uh, as for what they can do to turn this 0-2 season around. I mean, I don't know that there was any turn this season around before they were 0-2. Um, I, my, my thought was this was like a 5-11, and a 6-10 and team. I find myself now asking myself, is that reasonable? And I fear that the answer is no. Um, I just don't know that this team in its current, current state is, uh, is capable of, of maybe winning five games. They're certainly not capable of being competitive in the NFC East, despite, you know, while, while everybody else's team is struggling, um, which is the perfect time, obviously, the perfect time for the Giants to kind of show their potential and show, show flashes of, uh, you know, what makes them a, a good football team. But unfortunately, in my opinion, the only thing that this team can do to pull itself out of this tailspin is the Gettleman way isn't working. Um, there's really no rhyme or reason why we're now three, three, uh, this is what fourth, fourth season in and where, uh, we're still struggling to see any kind of progress, even the pieces that have been put in there, um, that he's gone after and, you know, and pursued, they've never, they've never really added up. And at, at the end of the day, whose responsibility is that? Whose responsibility is it to put together a team? that produces a, a, a quality, a quality product on the field. Yeah. Can, can I ask you a question <laughs> that I've wondered about, you know, since bringing in Saquon, it, it, you know, we, I talked about before a little bit, he, he in some ways strikes me as being a little bit of a, a much better version of Reggie Bush, uh, but in the yeah. same limitations as Reggie Bush, at least early on. Um, that he is not necessarily an every down back, or at least not in the way he's being deployed, um, is used as can be used as an every down back. Wouldn't it make sense to go out and get somebody who's not necessarily, you know, a star, but just a a complimentary guy, but a complimentary guy who is a inside the tackle runner, um, you, you know, someone like uh, you know, like what New Orleans went out and got with um, Latavius Murray, someone like that who they can you know count on you know, or Mark Ingram, you know, that, that, you know, came from that same system or something like that. Wouldn't it make sense to get one of those kind of guys, especially while Saquon is still kind of learning how to be a pro, you know, and not, not feel that he has to play hero ball and every down because of the way that it is. I think a lot of it has to do with the line. I mean, it's just, it's, that's, that's where the, the, the source of all the giants problems uh, typically stem from is that line. I don't, I don't think that Saquon is anything but a three-down back. I think he has all the potential in the world to catch balls on passing downs, to chip block, to do any number of things. Uh, the, the problem is, is when you're the featured piece of an offense and you're essentially not just a threat but the only threat, um, you know, for any defense that's going out there, I mean, if you watch, they're forcing Daniel Jones to throw the ball. They right. know he has ball security issues. He fumbles the ball. They know the offensive line isn't great. They want Daniel Jones to try to stand in that pocket because mm -hmm. even the most average of defenses 
can get a couple sacks on them. They can get a couple yes. of pressures on them. That kind of thing right there can win you a game. You you take you think about it. Think about how much easier it is to win a game if you can even take one of every three downs away from or you know from from a quarterback. You know that this guy's now got a chance. He runs it once and he passes it once, and then you t- you took away you took away a down, and boom, they're punting. Just that little bit of pressure applied is enough to take you and win the game handily, especially with an offense that's suffering like the Giants. So I don't think Saquon's the problem. As for like <clears throat> going out there and getting a guy like Latavius Murray, I mean, sure, in hindsight. You know, I, I would love it if we could trade Saquon at this point for a couple of ones and twos and rebuild the offensive line and let that kid have a successful career somewhere. But you're you're on that bandwagon as a as a Giants I'm fan. Not, but that's I don't being... want to say I'm on that. I'm not on that bandwagon. I'm just saying now. Now, given the circumstances, would I love to have a bunch of linemen? Sure. Like hindsight's hindsight's twenty twenty. I get you. The, the, the fact of the matter is, though, like he, it's it's not on him it's it's on that line and it's not even on that line because that line is doing what they can given their circumstance you got nick gates right. at center come on nick gates at center like what do you, what do you really think is going to happen on a team that's that's piecemealing dudes i mean he's literally just starting like a whole bunch of like guards yeah. <laughs> like all but so the, then so then they have the pieces right so they have the offensive weapons on the field because they do have a really good tight end they have decent wide receivers. They're not the best, but they're decent. Good, I can yeah. name you. I can name you a bunch of teams that have worse wide receivers. Patriots. Right. They have <laughs> um, a really decent back that is not an every down back because he can't stay on the field. That lets yeah. me know that he's not an every down back. But and that's... they also, but they also have they have a quarterback that's competent. But I mean, look, if if you see ghosts, as we all like to, you know, the saying, right. if you see ghosts every time you go back there because you can't trust that your offensive line can block for you, mm-hmm. then the, or if you have a coordinator that loves to deal slow developing plays that don't help out your that doesn't help out your offensive line to where they don't have to hold blocks as long then what happens is your offense looks like trash. And those receivers and that tight end that has all that speed and that back that can do maybe – and this is probably why they have three backs to begin with because he's not, a, he's not an every-down back, but you can utilize him in the passing game more than a lot of these other quote-unquote bell cow backs. Who doesn't have three backs? I mean, I don't know that yeah, that is anything. Yeah. I don't know that that's an indictment of Saquon Barkley. I think no, the real I, issue I don't think it is, is either. But they don't. I mean, but, uh, I'll tell you who doesn't have three backs. I'll tell you who doesn't have three backs. Tennessee doesn't have three backs. They're, they're um, the only ones, though. Come on. I mean, that, but they yeah, are because the only ones. Here's a rare thing there. Dallas, but Dallas doesn't have three backs. Sure, they do. They have two it backs, and they just drafted a kid this year. It is Zeke, and is Zeke, and is Zeke. And when I mean by the bell cow back, it's look at look at Zeke and look at Saquon. Now, Saquon was out last year for a significant amount of time. And th- this is year three, right? Wasn't he out in his rookie season two? No. This is uh, he, he got he got dinged in his rookie season. I think he missed, you know, a game or two or something, but Right, but it wasn't so, any like Yeah, not so significant. Here, here's here's so, my question so my, for Matt my, as a Giants my, fan. Hang so hang on my, one second. Go ahead. Matt. I, I agree with what you're saying about Saquon. I don't think it's an indictment on him, but I, my question would be you saying him as an every down back. Do you think he can carry the ball 
I'm just saying straight up, you know, carry the ball into the line 25, 30 times a game and still touch the ball, uh, you know, swing passes, reverses, backfield, what have you. Another 10, 12, 15 times, you're talking somewhere in the neighborhood of 35, 40 times touches a game. Yeah, he's an athletic freak. The issue is that he doesn't have the line to support that. I mean, it's just it's, – okay. it's like anything else. I mean, you look at Denver as another good example of why they brought in um, Melvin Gordon. Mm-hmm. They, the numbers simply showed that on third down, they weren't getting – even even the well, all downs, they weren't getting the push needed to sustain lengthy runs. So they brought a guy in whose numbers showed a high conversion rate on those low yardage situations to mm-hmm. offset – the, not the push that the line wasn't getting. So, I mean, you look at Denver, and Denver's line is a lot better than the Giants, you know, and, and, and there's, there's few that aren't. Um, imagine if Saquon Barkley was on the Broncos, what Saquon would, would be doing. You know, like, put him on a team with even a mediocre line, and you've got your 2,000 all-purpose yards right there. You've got a kid that's going to tear things up, and it doesn't matter where you put him. He's not just an edge rusher. He is just an, he's an athletic anomaly. I mean, I'll take your word for it, getting a lot more looks at it. Just my my initial, you know, like I've mentioned, you know, being a Giants fan by marriage. um, So I do watch quite a bit of them. He just, there's something about the fact that he doesn't seem to be a back that can necessarily be the type to take it up the middle. And and again, I'm not not saying it's a bad thing for him. It's just, it's not his game. And I think in a different offense, they'd utilize that. But it feels it's, like they're just trying to make him into a bell cow back, which I don't think is necessarily what he can be. Well, it's but, the Giants. So what I can guarantee you is that it won't be long before he's playing for somebody else and you'll be able to see what he can really do because that's typically <laughs> what happens to Giants talent. So we're going to so, move to – we're going to move to – and I, I don't want to cut that short because – you know, we can go about say we can talk about Saquon and. Well, I'll, I'll wait. My next thing was going to be about comparing it to the Eagles, but I know Matt's going to talk about the Eagles later. Oh, we're, we so got that. We got that coming. <laughs> uh, ooh, I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> so we're going to move to two games that I I looked at, um, and and because I am here in Dallas, uh, I have the <laughs> I don't know. It was probably the probably the most uh, entertaining game outside of the Chiefs game of the week. And uh, um, I had also looked at the Patriots game Sunday night. So we'll start with the Patriots first. (sighs) So the Patriots overall, I think on offense, showed that Cam is just not, you know, last week he or Sunday night, he showed that, yes, he can pass the ball on occasion. I'm not going to give him the gold star just yet because I know that Cam Newton can can produce games like that. He just can't produce. I haven't seen him produce those games on a consistent basis, game after game after game. That being said, um, you know, it took one of it took one of Cam's strengths to cost them the game. So every time they got at the goal line, when it was a two-yard line, everybody in the building knew that he was running the football, whether it was left or right. That shows me that, A, they do need Damian Harris back there because um, Sony Michelle is not that guy that's going to just bowl through at the two-yard line to get you those, uh, those seven points. 
Rex Burkhead is also not that guy. And James White, unfortunately, was not at the game due to a passing of his dad. I agree with that. So Let do... me ask you, do you think if Damian Harris was in that game, you think that they wouldn't have still been sneaking it with Cam Newton? No. I don't think that's, that's what true. Did... No, because that's that was, that was going to be hero ball no matter what. That's what that's that's what that's what Damian Harris did in Alabama. That's what he did. He loved that goal line situation, and he can move the pile. Will that's they fine. do it? Now, now, was I not a two hundred and sixty pound linebacker playing quarterback either. So but I won't say, but I won't say that it would be Damian Harris all day, every day. But they'll at least run him to see what he's got. They know that Sony's not getting into the two yard line. He has proven time and time out, time in and time out. That he just can't do it. And Rex Burkhead has tried. And he's not going to do it. And they know when James White is in the game, he may carry every now and then at the goal line. But they're doing swing passes so that he can, you know, even though it's two yards, he can go ahead and make some people miss and get into the end zone. Um, With that being said, Seattle still couldn't stop him um, the majority of the game going into the goal line. But the most important play is the last play of the game when it's either you you lose or you win, and they stopped them on that play, and it was a great play, and New England loses the football game. Um, overall, I thought that he I thought that he passed the ball pretty well. Julian Edelman looks hurt, um, and it's bad, and it is it is uh, it's obvious. Um, I thought that Nikhil Harry did. I think he did a decent job on um, on on Sunday night. My problem overall <clears throat> was the secondary, which is supposed to be New England strength. They got torched. Russ passed for five TDs, and the number one rated quarterback in all of football. And I get it. You're going to have those days where you. You're going to get roasted. But I would think that if uh, Stefan Gilmore gets roasted, he gets roasted by a Mike Thomas, by a top-level or a top-rated wide receiver. No, this is not, not the first DK. time that's happened, though. I'm, I'm going to get to call into I, I my favorite you, game you. of Devontae Parker Listen, last, week, last year. I get you. I get you. I get you. I do. But I think that Overall, the defense played poor. They just played poor. And no, this you're not going to be facing the Dolphins every week. And no, you're not going to be facing the Cleveland Browns every week. Or no, you're not going to be facing teams that can't get yeah. it done every week. Um, and you can just pin your ears back and just rush the quarterback, you know, with your poor defensive line. What, it, what Seattle exposed is, once again, they exposed that the New England Patriots linebackers are extremely slow. When Russell Wilson went out and he rushed out on the edge, the linebackers could do nothing. They couldn't catch him. They couldn't do nothing. Now, yeah, Russell they, they don't have not... anyone that can match up athlete for athlete. And the thing is, is that they spied on him. There were times where they played man-to-man, and they had a backer spy on Wilson, and he, they, still couldn't, they still couldn't take the angle to – Make him have, instead of a 14-yard run, a two-yard run or sack him. They just couldn't do it. And, yes, Russell Wilson does that to a lot of teams. But when you are the number one rated defense coming into this year, and, yes, you lost 
a few players on defense, but it's not like you lost a lot of speed on defense. If if you let Russell run around, that's great. Fine, let him run around. But for him to pass for five TDs and um, and run around and smoke you down the field, nah, they, that was just a bad game. But they all they still almost won the game just because Seattle's defense couldn't stop New England because they're slow on defense too. They couldn't stop Cam, you know, down the middle of the field. Everything was just wide open down the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. Everything. I mean, it was just I'm, he's passing the ball, and, you, you know, you can't help when, it's, when they're wide open and there's nobody around for four or five yards. Then you're like, okay, well, Cam has to complete that ball, you know, because the guy's just sitting in the zone. What I'm looking to see is when Cam has to throw in those tight windows and he has to make those all-important throws and he has to be more of an accurate quarterback, let's see what he does. So, you know, hey, Patriots fans can say, hey, Cam Newton, Cam Newton. I'm like, hold on. Not yet. Because I've seen him, I've seen him become trash in the pocket because he was thrown off his back foot just like he was before. His footwork wasn't all that great just like it was before. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Well, and and the Raiders is going to be an interesting test because, you know, the Raiders, you know, showed that they have, you know, more than I think people, you know, were, were prepared to give them credit for, especially on defense. Um, yeah. You know, Abraham <clears throat> looks for real. Um, you know, the, 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 uh, that's going to be a very interesting matchup because, you know, the Raiders look like a team that the Patriots should be able to handle closer to a Dolphins or, you know, nope. Jets or Browns nope. or something like that. But, nope. you know, it's going to nope. be interesting to see if that's the case. And then, and then you got the Chiefs, and I don't give you guys a snowball's chance in hell at that one. Nope. I don't see them. Unfortunately, I don't see them. Uh, first of all, they're, they're not all that great in the run. And Josh Jacobs, is a, he's, he's, a, he's a good running back. He's, he's playing great this, this year. Yeah, I mean, he's playing great this year. Him, I can't call him great because he's in his second year, but he's a really good back. And those, those, those really good backs that they faced, the Nick Chubbs, um, things of that nature, they can't stop them. It's like, it's like their run defense is just mm-hmm. Swiss cheese when it comes to those backs. So, and he can, he can catch out of the backfield. And they have Henry Ruggs, who I, I don't know who on the Patriots. I mean, I, I don't know anybody on that team that can just match him one on one. I don't know yet. So it's going to be it's 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 going to be nerve wracking to watch them play the Raiders. Um, so I don't know. So so um, same same thing as I had mentioned earlier. Gun to your head. Who's winning the division this year in the East? <laughs> so I love this. I, never, I love this because Kevin's so love the for thing. the Patriot here's and the his thing. hatred for Cam Newton are just that like constant no. battle, and it's so no, 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 for no, me. no, 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 no. I never had the Patriots winning the division this year. Never. My thing was my surprise team to win the division came down to the Dolphins and the Bills. The Patriots never. I never had the Patriots. Yeah, I don't think any of us have the Jets. No, I, I really my, – my thing was if the Dolphins could learn that system, they, they have enough players on that, on that team to really make noise. And, yes, the Bills, they've been in that system for what now? Three, four years now? So, yeah, yes, and, and, they're more comfortable. 
but the Bills are always Dolphins kryptonite also, you know, so it's like I don't put that much of a, you know, like I'm not, I'm not scared to death as a Dolphins fan. We always, you know, have a hard time with the Bills. When they're bad, when they're good, doesn't make a difference. It's just the way that kind of goes. And, but, and I mean, good gun, right. to, gun to my head, I mean, I don't, I don't pick the Patriots to win. Um, it would be good if they, it would be great if they did. I just don't think so. So you um, think it's the I Bills? I think it's. I think it's I think it's the Bills okay. I think it's the Bills division to lose. Okay. Um and if they don't I just want to get you on the record as saying that. Oh no listen. I'm a Patriots fan. I'm a Patriots fan all the way, but I'm not stupid. <laughs> I'm I'm not an idiot. Cam Newton's going to get it done. He'll win us some games. He'll win us some games that Tom Brady may not be able to win us only because he can escape out of the pocket. So those games where it is a heavy pass rush and he can scramble out and get us the first down here and there, yes, he will be able to win those games. Yeah, the part I games, can't wait for as a, as a Patriots hater is I, I don't believe at all that Julian Edelman and Cam Newton's health is going to last past mid-year because I just don't believe that the way they're playing, they can keep up this this sustainability man, in the way he's, that they're playing. He's, he's, Not even that, man. You have to think, I, in those brutal New England winters, Cam going out there and, like, the That's what I'm pumps, saying. It's he's just going to break his ankles. But, but here's the other part, though. In those brutal New England in those brutal New England winters, the thing is, is that Cam would be more of an asset because now you have another runner at 6'5", 260, banging on you, even if it's 10 runs, even if it's five runs, you still have a guy at 260 banging on you in the wintertime. Yeah, That's if you were bringing not, him in in week eight, I agree with that. The problem is you're going to have eight weeks of pounding leading up to I that. Know, so I know. I know. I, I trust me. I get it. And, you know, we'll see what Cam can or can't yeah. do. I'm not – I didn't flip over him, and I'm not flipping, over, flipping him over him now. Um, so we'll, we'll just have to – it's just a wait and see. We well, get I back Damian – I can tell you one thing for sure Cam Newton can't do, and that's make a silk blouse look masculine. <laughs> I knew it was coming. Apparently he can't comb his hair either because the hairdo is just – it looks like a – it looks like a, a, a mop. I mean, what it's is crazy. You know what it I, have, I have a you theory about the hair. Well, wait, I, just, you know what it, you know what it reminds me of? It. You know when you were a kid and you had like those little Play-Doh kits and you could push the Play-Doh through? <laughs> yes. He would make yeah. – that's what that yeah. reminds me of because it's just, it's just <laughs> growing in like these – these otherworldly clumps and different shapes and sizes and stuff. It's, it's, it's I, something so, else. So right when he has that it. one going that is like, like it's all coming out the front. Right. I, I have a theory. I think he's trying to make his hair look like the Patriot logo. <laughs> or Sonic the Hedgehog. Yes, I think he's trying to make his dress into a tri-quarter hat. <laughs> what about Chris Tucker in uh, The Fifth Element, where he's, uh, oh he's got that, <laughs> that cone off the front of his head? <laughs> I, what I really want the Patriots Super to do is, I, I just really want them to, to tighten down on defense a little bit more to help out that offense, because it's going to be days where that offense is just not going to move, and that defense can't give up five touchdowns to anybody. So, Going to the next game. The next game is going to be Cowboys. I mean that cap. That game was a that was a great great game. Um, the Cowboys started off not a fair Falcons fan. <laughs> and you know what? I mean, could anything be more Falcons though? I mean, could they be more of that team? I mean, like it's them in are... Cleveland that just like they find a way to snatch defeat out of the jaws of victory every no, no, week. No, no, no. Listen, listen. The, the the Detroit and Cleveland they may lose. You know, a 
a, a lead here and there, or they'll just get beat. The Falcons go to the Super Bowl, and they give up. They were down. They were up by 20, 28 points, 25 yeah. points. They go down. They're down by – they're up by 20 points against the Cowboys. The Cowboys – now get this. Dak fumbled. Zeke fumbled 10 plays later. And then, like, six plays after that, they're tight end fumbles. So you're basically yeah. – you basically just in the in, – and just – it's just like, what is going on here? So we were like, okay, we're done. They're done. They're finished. And I turned the game off. I cut the game back on midway through, and I'm just like, oh, they're really fighting. <laughs> and I'm looking at, I'm looking at, I'm looking at Dak, and I'm like, man, this guy is really, he's going to really do well in that offense. Now, granted, I, I was watching the, Zeke numbers on fantasy, just boom, 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 boom. Now, granted, what what we what we don't know or what we the, the hidden part is that, you know, the Falcons, for some reason, Dan Quinn likes to take his foot off the gas. He took his foot off the gas in the Super Bowl. He takes his foot off the gas here because instead of sitting there and just killing them, they start playing this soft zone so Dak now can throw. Because, hey, they're up by 20. Look, we, look, all we have to do is just make one stop here, one stop there, and here, boom, touchdown, 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 touchdown. Yeah, I mean, as, as someone who has absolutely no horse in the race for for the Falcons at all, I have I have no strong feelings about them. I just feel like every single year watching them, they are the team that is they 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 need to move away from their coach, and he seems like a perfectly competent head coach, but there there's something with a team like that that just can't get over the hump, can't get out of their own way, and constantly implodes. That's on coaching. Because you've 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 rotated out talent, you've got good enough players at plenty of positions, and you've changed coordinators. You've you know you've done everything under the sun. The only constant that hasn't changed is, is the coach. Is that coach? And and it just feels like they're just spinning their wheels, waiting for it, it all to come it together. Is the coach, because if a if a if a Let's let's say I don't care. Name a really good coach that can come in. Just name a good coach. If they go into Atlanta with that offense and that defense flying around, they are more of a threat in the NFC than any other team in the league because yeah. hey, Matt Ryan is competent. We know that. He has three of the of the best receivers, arguably, in the league. That's they they have a dangerous receiving core. They have competent running backs. They have, or they had, a really good tight end, which he's now gone. They have a really fast and and feisty defense that plays undisciplined at times. And mm-hmm. Dan Quinn is a defensive coordinator. So when you look at it, the offense puts up points, and when it's your turn to go ahead and take the wheel and handle the game, you're the one that fumbles because you're the defensive guy. You're the head coach, and I know you're calling those plays. So if you're calling those plays as the defensive guy coming from Seattle, you are the one that needs to go because it's your defense that gives up all these points. And, yes, I saw Zeke back there picking up, picking up blocks and picking up blitzes, going yep. out there, running over people. He looked like Zeke the rookie. And it was great to see only because of the fact that I do want to see Zeke get out of that that hole that he was in where every time he turned around, he was in trouble. He has all this yeah. talent. 
<clears throat> and Dak is Dak was opportunistic because hey, the defense he 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 threw and he was picking apart the defense because of what they gave him. They gave him these soft coverages, these soft mm-hmm. zones, and he just picked them apart all the way down the field. Now that onside kick apparently the Falcons misunderstood the rule for the onside kick. Which is just unforgivable. I'm sorry. Like, so it's just, the rule. So you're the a professional. The, you're you but, have a professional special teams coordinator. Of, you have you know all that. A lot of teams, but a lot of teams get the rule mixed up. So the rule for the onside kick, of course, is the ball has to travel ten yards before you can pick it up. The Falcons thought that the ball has to travel ten yards before they could pick it up. That's I mean that that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> That's. <laughs> So, and, I mean, every onside you, kick would be that. That you would all you do is kick it less than ten yards and stand around and wait for someone to fall on it. And that's exactly what happened. And they said that <clears throat> the way to kick an onside kick now, because it has to travel ten yards, mm-hmm. is you have to kick it to where the ball slow rolls ten yards. And all the Cowboys players did was when he kicked the ball, it was a perfect onside kick. It slow rolled, and he basically just stood in front of the, the, the Falcons team, and he waited for it to go exactly 10 yards, and he fell yeah. on it. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. That, that I can believe that, I guess, as an idea, that they're saying this is why it happened. But to me, that's like saying, you know, I didn't know there's three strikes in baseball. Like, it, it's just unforgivable. <laughs> you're, you're, just, you're not allowed to not know the rules of the game that you're a professional in and that you have a coach devoted to just that job and you have another sub coach devoted to just that thing, you know, like it's just, it's, it's not forgivable that you could say, Oh, we just don't know the rules. I, 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 it was bad because number one, the Cowboys should have never been in that game. They should have, no, the Falcons should have put up 50, but they couldn't, they put up 20 points and they could only put up what? Uh, 15 more points after that. So that sounds about right. It's like, come on, dude. Like, come on. You, you, you're picking the and, – and the thing is is that they could have won if Julio Jones didn't drop that touchdown. Because <laughs> he had Diggs burned. He yeah, burned which is, Diggs. Which is crazy because, you know, if I could bet money on something that I can count on, it's Julio Jones to catch that ball. And Right. Again, just Falcons going to Falcon kind of thing. It's Okay, everyone, that's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening in. Don't forget to join us next week as we hear more of the guys' opinions as they talk about the news on the NFL. Goodbye.